When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the AIDS ward. This is the first AIDS ward. This collection is amazing. And the nurses, this is the nurses keeping it. The names of the folks who have died, and it starts out. What does that read? I'm sorry, I don't. Don't want the names of the folks who have died on this ward to be forgotten. I know this always makes me cry. Uh, This is is unbelievable. unbelievable. The first names are like in 14 point font, and then by the... yeah third or fourth page here we're in like seven point font because there are so many names just, in this list. It goes on and then there's all kinds of things they the nurses put together like their obits and then they have cards from like the families to the staff. Yeah. And some of the nurses still drop by to look through these books. They come in not infrequently. Do you have a, do you have a place you go when you need to cry? <laughs> In the archive here. I don't usually. Maybe in my office. It's just, this is just so beautiful. That was Susan Goldstein, the San Francisco Public Library's city archivist. We were looking through the San Francisco General Hospital AIDS Ward collection on our tour of the library's history center and archive. No Heather Knight this week, and there's a certain justice to that. We both love public libraries, and Heather got to interview city librarian Michael Lambert when I was on vacation. He did skateboard tricks. And I got to see the archives with Susan Goldstein, who is retiring this month after 28 years with the library. I saw her get honored by the Board of Supervisors last week when we were waiting for the parrots to become the official animal. She was so excited about the archive in this earnest way, not jaded about her job at all, that I just felt like I had to meet her in person. So I asked for a behind-the-scenes archive tour that happened to come the Monday after her official retirement. I put together a supercut from our tour for you. I'm about to play that right now. Work goals, be this excited about your job on the day after your last day of work. So these are indexed papers on files. These are building records. This is 1891 to 95. Talk about, wow. you know, books that predate the earthquake. Tons of posters all oh, over wow. the city. Rock posters, political posters, just drawers of posters. Like we have Lily Coit's diary in here. What? Oh yeah, she's like writing about her husband and what a scoundrel he is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay, so these are yearbooks from... All different high schools, all different schools in San Francisco. People come in here to look up their parents. I've had people who are adopted come look for their birth families. These are gay and lesbian pulps. These are all pulps. Great trashy titles. Passionate Amazons. Landing Sloan Puppet Theater. What the heck was that? This is amazing. I am blown. I'm sorry. I got to stop and just say I am blown away. Yeah. I know I can't have my ashes spread here, I but know. like this is right? like this where is, I'd want it to be. This is the best. You have to love a librarian who keeps the same level of enthusiasm even when talking about old building records. 
The San Francisco History Center is open to the public. It's a magical place. You can research your family history. You can research your home. You can learn about Harvey Milk, the City of Paris department store, your favorite movie theater, punk rock history in San Francisco. They have a whole archive for that. San Francisco Public Library archivist Susan Goldstein is coming up. I'm Peter Hartlob. Having fun isn't hard when you've got a library card. And this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Susan Goldstein, welcome to Total SF on the first day of your retirement. Did I drag you back to work on your first day of your retirement? Um, not really. I'm returning one or two days a week to continue working until they hire my replacement. So it all worked out. This worked out well. Okay. I yeah. feel way, way better. <laughs> um, I was taking Bart over here and just thinking like, oh, my first day of retirement no. and I'm making her come it's in. It's all good. And it's so, it was, it's hard to leave. So happy yeah. to come back in again. I can understand why you just gave me an incredible tour, um, throughout what was probably like 5% of the archive, but we saw so much. And uh, this is just an incredible place. I'm gonna start and end with that. You Thanks. seem to appreciate that though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I love it. It's an amazing place to work. I love everything about it. I love the collections. I love all the things we collect, the photos, the maps, the periodicals the real archival and manuscript collections. Um, I'm just I'm just such a big fan out of all of it. And like you noticed, you can just go down a rabbit hole with any one thing. You know, yeah. you can just start looking through something and get completely lost in it. So, yeah. We gotta have a name for that because that happens to me at the Chronicle Archive. Right. And, and especially early on and like when my kids were young, I'd go in to look for something at two and then it would be 6.30 and I'd get a call from my wife and I would think it's like three, right? You know, it's like time right. stretches in a weird way right. here. I don't know the history time tunnel, the history <laughs> black hole, something like that. I think we're just sucked into a history black hole. Yeah. yeah, I've had people who use our photos online, and they're like, "I just spend hours. I could just spend hours online." I can't imagine you anywhere else now after <laughs> having gotten this tour. But um, there must be some archivist origin story. Were you, as a young child, like just, you know, at your library going through old photos? Or was this something that was kind of part of your life early on? What, what's your archivist origin story? Right. Well, I was definitely into the library when I was little. That's definitely true. We would go there every week. Um, fantastic. Not so much archives. So I was saying in undergrad, in college, got really into the archives, doing history, using archives, realizing how amazing they were. Um, and then my first archives job was for Senator Alan Cranston. So I worked on his papers. I was on his staff for a few years. And those are at Bancroft Library at UC Berkeley. Um, and then I worked at the Labor Archives at San Francisco State. Incredible mm -hmm. collections there. You know, did a survey of all the labor unions. Um, so. I guess just through college, falling in love with doing history, going into the archives. Uh, Alan Cranston was my senator for years. Mm -hmm, me too, yeah. Tell me two amazing Alan Cranston facts that people should know. Mm. Don't know. 
Um, well, one is that he um, published a very early book about uh, before World War II when Mein Kampf came out. He had it published in paperback because he wanted people to read it and see how dangerous it was and what was happening. And at that time, he worked for a world peace organization. People have no idea about his history before <laughs> yeah. being in the Senate. So that was very interesting about him. Um, on a personal note, he was just the most down-to-earth, humble guy. Like, you called him Allen. You didn't call him Senator, which was not true of other Senate offices. He was just the most down-to-earth guy who just wanted to get things done. He yeah. was pretty amazing. Cool. It sounds to me like you were new here, though. Um, do you have a first Bay Area memory? Um, did you visit here as a child? How did you kind of get right. connected to the Bay Area and right. end up here? I did visit here as a child. I loved it. I thought it was incredible. Um, loved everything about it, the built environment, the houses, being on the water, the parks. Um, and then I moved here in 84 during the Democratic Convention. <laughs> um, I don't know, just like one of those many people who wants to be in San Francisco and thinks it's kind of a magical place, which, which it is. Um, I also moved here, though, kind of sliding right into the AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. And when I first moved here, I worked in an AIDS research study at a children's hospital, so kind of went, like, kind of crash-landed into the epidemic when it was starting. What, what year was that? That was 84. So that's when they started calling it no longer the grid. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. No, it was AIDS by then. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about what you have here. And um, I was blown away by w what I saw, but yeah. it sounds like there's a lot more, too. Yeah. yeah. So we have the whole archives for the city of San Francisco. So city departments turn over their papers to us, the mayors city commissions. Um, so for example, like the AIDS ward notebook that you saw was um, General Hospital Ward 5B, 5A, you know, documenting what was happening there. So we have all of that, but we also have so many collections from community groups that have given us their papers. Um, you know, we did a big deep dive into the Filipino community, going to meetings at night, talking to people about the archives and community groups giving their papers to us. Um, just in the last year, the collections that have come in, um, we just signed a document with the uh, Human Services Administration, so kind of the history of poverty in San Francisco going back. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the city department. And then here's right here is the Quan uh, family papers, so early Chinese-American pioneer in San Francisco. I mean, it's just such a range of stuff that comes in. It's kind of mind-blowing. My mind is blown by how just a list of names can tell a story. I mean, the AIDS ward, Yeah. you showed me a booklet that said, you know, these names will not be forgotten. And it starts out almost like, you know, large type skipping every other yeah. um, line. And then by page three, it's very, very tiny type. And I can only imagine yeah. the people working there realizing we need a lot more space for the people who are going to die in this crisis. Yeah. Yeah. But, I know it's very poignant just to look at those pages of names and just see them shrink smaller and smaller. Yeah. Yeah. That's a story right there. Yeah. Well, I didn't yeah. bring you down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> was there a city archivist job when you were hired? Well, there was, was that Gladys Hanson. Yeah, it was Gladys Hanson okay. and she'd been here for many years. Um, and she was, 
she did a lot of good collecting on the 06 earthquake. That was her um, kind of topic of choice. For people who don't know, yeah. um, earthquake scholar and also started the city guides, I think, as well. Yeah, it um, started I mean, out of here, too. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And um, yeah, so she's she's not around anymore. Um, mm. I did go to her house after she died, uh, met with her son. And um yeah, so she's very well known. She did some really fun things while she was here. And then there was nobody here for about five years. And then when I came, I was maybe the first professional archivist to be on staff. So doing things the way we do them in archives world um, and how we do collections and how we make things accessible to the public. So that was new when I got here. What were those first years like? Um, this wasn't here. This building right. was being built when you were hired? Yeah, so I came six months before we moved. So it was almost built, but I was across the street in the old building, which is now the Asian Art Museum, for people who don't know. It was great to work over there. I just remember coming in and we had one computer for the entire department, (laughs) okay, and nobody touched it. No one in the department used it. And we had one telephone in the department in back of house. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I came from Senate staff. It wasn't quite that bad over yeah. there. So it was really kind of antiquated. Um, and But again, you know, still helping people at the desk. You know, you do all that functionality. Yeah. Um, but our collections have grown enormously since I've been here. You know, and the focus, again, is on city, but also community collecting. Um, really, to be an archivist now, you don't just sit back and wait for things to come to you. You go out into the community. So, I mean, I was a community organizer when I got out of college. And really, it's kind of mixing that with the history and going out and reaching out to groups and trying to get more representation in the archives of the entire city. How do you represent the entire city? Did you feel like you saw the entire city today walking around? <laughs> I, I saw a lot of it. Um, I'll, I'll tell you something. I saw a lot of, uh, I think, and, and I think this is deliberate. I saw a lot of the diverse communities of of the past and present yeah. in San Francisco there. Yeah. And I even, you know, I work in an archive and I would think like so much of your job is almost like waiting for stuff to wash up on shore, but Mm-mm. it's not. You're, tell me about that. Like, what are, what are some examples of going out in the community? You know, I would, I get calls like Swedish American Hall called me years ago and they're like, we're trying to set up an archives. How do we do it? How do we represent the Swedish community here? So I went up to their building and they do have stuff going back, really wonderful minute books and correspondence. And I helped them set up their archives. Um, and then we they had a newspaper, Veskusten, and we figured out a way to get it digitized. And now it's in the National Archives of Sweden, but it's also up on the internet archive for anyone to use. Um, and then here, we have a Filipino center librarian, Abe Ignacio, and he and I would just go out and go to all these community meetings at night and talk to them about archives and why they should save their materials. And people turned over significant collections to us, you know, so I feel like we have much better representation of the Filipino community in the archives. Um, and the Shades Photo Project, which started in Los Angeles, but it came up here, and we would have photo days in different neighborhoods, and People would bring in their family photos, business photos, all kinds of things, and we would reproduce them and add them. And that has really added huge diversity to the archives. You know, when you have a newspaper photo morgue, which you have, and we have the News Call Bulletin, it's just uh, doesn't necessarily represent all of society. 
That's not what you're seeing in a sure. newspaper morgue. So you, how do you add to that? You know, go out to the community and have people bring in their photos. Yeah, no, and it's something I discovered going through the Chronicle. Like there were entire years, if not decades, where we did almost nothing in Oakland. Right. And yeah. We, yeah. we treated the um, the Chronicle treated the uh, summer of love like a crime story. Right. It was right, not right, treated right, right. like a moment in counterculture. It was treated like right. a crime story. It was covered that way. So. I could see where you would need to go back and find, you know, these missing pieces um, out of certainly out of that archive. I also have to think with the present too. I mean, COVID nineteen. Yeah. We ran into some stuff in the archive from that. Are you are you collecting things in real time too and trying to yeah. figure out, you know, how much of the Occupy movement should we have? Yes. How much? Yeah. yeah, so definitely in real time. Like when there's protests outside, we'll often go out there and collect flyers from people that are out there and collect ephemera so we have it. We have a little bit from the Occupy movement. Um, you know, I uh, collected the papers right before the pandemic of the Coalition on Homelessness. They were moving, and we spent, my staff and I spent like months in their offices packing stuff up to come over here. So we really want to cover current issues. COVID... You know, we were all home, and then I realized, oh, God, we need to start collecting this stuff now. Um, so I set up a COVID-19 time capsule is what I called it, and people could upload their photos and journal articles. One guy did a joke of the day. You know, so all the kinds of things people were collecting, we have uploaded. Um, it's digital. That's an all-digital archive. At the same time, we were getting from COVID Command Center all their flyers, all their posters, every language, every community. Um, and then we worked with COVID Command and the Arts Commission, and they hired artists, and they did some amazing projects that we have here at the archives. So one woman was out in the Mission and Latino communities um, collecting, taking pictures of uh, vaccination sites there and what they were doing. And then... Um, Another photographer, S. Renee Jones, was out in the black community doing the same thing. And then at the same time, and, and this happened to me at the Chronicle too, yeah. there was a it, influenza, you know, yeah. 19, 18, 18 yeah. 19, 19, yeah. that was very similar and had a huge impact on the city. Yeah. And you're looking that up too. Right. So we have the old Department of Public Health minutes and records and we were looking at those and what was happening and we would post you know from time to time stuff from that or we had great photo of people wearing their masks and then another one of this one family taking their masks off it's, it's the same 100 years later really it's all the same we'll be right back after this short break well what are the what are the uh very oldest things here. You showed me some books that were um, from the 1400s, but oh, in terms of yeah. San Francisco, yeah. I'm that's thinking, our rare book collection. Yeah, yeah. In terms of San Francisco history, what are some of the oldest things here? Things people would be surprised by from the early years. Do you have Do you have things from when you know this is a Spanish-speaking region? Yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, there's this kind of this myth that everything before 1906, earthquake and fire, was destroyed. Yeah. And that is not true. Um, we are missing a lot of vital records for the city, but really there are materials. So we have um, we have Alcalde records. That was the mayor. Um, probably some of the oldest are 1830s and 1840s. And then it starts being the American um, mayor. So those are our oldest ones. We have deeds. We have indexes to deeds. 
We have all kinds of like building and property contracts from that period. So it's spotty. Sometimes stuff got wiped out, but we do have good records from then. Yeah. Again, uh, hard to go home when you work in a place like this. It There's is. So much cool it is. Stuff. I mean, I have to say, the people who work here love it here. Yeah. Like, people fall in love with the collections, they love working on them. From day to day, you never know what's going to walk in the door. You know, you have people who are very excited because they found something from the, you know, 60s. And I'm like, the 1860s? And they're like, no, the 1960s, you know. <laughs> and then you have people who come in very modestly and are like, I don't know if you're interested in this, you know, gold rush diary. You know, it's like <laughs> something amazing. And you, you never know what's going to walk in the door. What I've found at the Chronicle is if I get an email and it says, you're not going to believe what I have. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're not going to believe this story. It's never that good. It's <laughs> always when someone just like comes in and is like, hey, did you know that? Well, I, I got to, speaking of unexpected things, we walked by a... Um, shelf full of I don't, gay and lesbian pulp romance oh, yeah. novels. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have that collection. Yeah. You have the punk rock collection. Shout out Penelope Houston. What are some things that are here that people don't know about that you're, you know, esoteric or unusual things that um, have, have, have been collected and gotten here while you were here? I mean... Just, you know, coming in this year, like the records of Glide Church, which is really a history of social activism. It's not so much religious history, although we have Cecil's sermons and things like that. Mm -hmm. But that, and we got the records, I don't know what happened, but Metropolitan Community Church, which is the gay and lesbian church. Um, so all, all of a sudden there was a turn to church records. It's very interesting to me. I mean, there's so many, I mean, there's, you know, Lily Hitchcock Coit's diary is here, you know, <laughs> and um, there's other diaries of people who lived in San Francisco, you know, who you don't think about. Uh, some are from the gold rush, some are from after. Did uh, you get to read any of Lily Hitchcock yeah, Coit's I did. diary? What, yeah. What's it like? Well, uh, she's, you know, really pissed off at her husband, <laughs> who's kind of a philanderer. <laughs> so she's going off to gamble with her friends, and she's kind of chiding him for not being with her all the time. It's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. I would say, you know, Harvey Milk's papers, that's probably our most popular collection. That one gets the most use. So, but we have papers of many other people in the GLBTQI plus community that yeah, are here. Yeah, Randy Schultz, our former Chronicle reporter. Yes, we have his exactly. Here. We have his. Well, how can people use the archive? If someone wanted to come in and see Harvey Milk's papers, I mean, what's the process? How accessible yeah. is it here? I walked right in. I've come here before and been stunned at how successful I am finding what I'm looking for and the helpfulness of the staff. But... Um, I'm wondering if people really know that it's here and know what they can find. Right. I think, um, yeah, it's great to be in an archives in a public library. It is totally open and accessible to anybody, um, you know, students, young adults, anyone from the general public. A ton of people come here to do house research and building history. Mm -hmm. So people come here for everyday needs. It's not just researchers who are in here. Um, very open. The staff is fantastic. You know, when you come in, we will ask you to sign in and check your bag because we're trying to protect our materials. But yeah, I love it when they send people from downstairs up here and people come in and they're like, I didn't know this was here. Can I just come in? Can I just look around? And it's like, yeah, of course, you know, sign in, check your bag, look around. 
look at Dashiell Hammett's typewriter. He used to write books in the old library across the street on that typewriter. You know, just walk around the room. That's the thing about this space, because the Chronicle Archive, you walk in and it looks like a dentist's office. Oh, you no. have oh, no. all of the you have all those filing and it's in a you know, it's been there since the twenties, but it's oh. you know, you've got the filing uh, system that looks like the dentist's office with a little color coded letters, and then the rest of the office it's all in it's not very exposed. I walk in here and I'm getting like Game of Thrones, Meister, like, you know, Harry Potter vibes. I feel like I'm researching with Dumbledore for something. I'm sorry, that sounded like an insult, but it wasn't no, meant to be. No, no. Well, just to be clear, we're in the rare book room. Yeah. Um, and there are beautiful books lining the shelves. Yeah, I have to say they're incredible. It's better if you call ahead if it's a big collection you want to use. It's easier for us if you call a couple days ahead so we can get it ready for you pull it from storage spaces, but otherwise people can come in and use the room just to study because it's quiet in here, yeah. except for this siren in the background. That's nothing. We've, yeah. we've recorded yeah. on Turk Street in the Tenderloin Oh, before. you have? Okay, oh, yeah, well, yeah, you yeah. know this then. This is chill. Yeah. This is very chill. <laughs> <laughs> um, how have your views of San Francisco changed? Do you think of San Francisco differently now? Do you love it more? Do you find it more complicated? Just being mm. immersed in San Francisco history, what, 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 what are your feelings about San Francisco after 28 years here? Mm. Um, it's definitely very complicated, I would say. Still love it. Um, I do feel like I have a long-range perspective. Like when people go into the doom cycle, I feel like yeah. Okay, we saw uh, Internet 2.0 kind of come and go. Like after that, I got all these things from companies that had failed that no longer existed. And that's very recent. I mean, you could go way yeah. back into financial crashes in the 1800s or fires. So there's a part of me that has like this long range perspective, like, okay, it sucks now, but we're going to be okay. Like yeah. there's going to be something else and we're going to come out of this and we're going to be okay. I don't know what that's going to be, but um, and it will evolve. I don't know. You do get this incredibly long range point of view about the city. Yeah. It's like Westfield Mall. Yeah. We'll, we'll be okay. Yeah. Whatever happens to Westfield yeah. Mall. Because there was a baseball stadium yeah. two blocks away from there. Yeah. It was a. I actually want to go back and see what the Chronicle said when all the movie theaters started to yeah. go away. Because I'm sure there are people who thought, oh, San Francisco's dead. All the movie theaters are leaving Market Street, you know? Right. And it's like, eh, there's right. change. Well, someone did suggest to me that we should take Westfield Mall over for the archives, which I, <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. I was like, yeah, I need more space. I need more space. Give me part of Westfield Mall. That is my second favorite <laughs> idea for what to do with Nordstrom's. Uh, that's oh, come what's from your this, first one? That's come from this podcast. Uh, Darcy Drollinger suggested that... Uh, uh, they make an abandoned Bed Bath & Beyond, a drag emporium, like the oh, biggest oh. drag emporium. And then Heather and I were immediately like, no, put it in Nordstrom. Let's yeah. Yeah, put it right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, you know, another collection we have is the Tranny Shack collection. Hecklina turned that over to me like eight years ago. Oh, my goodness. And it became very poignant during this whole period that everybody was mourning yeah. the death, you know. Hecklina, very uh, beloved and, and uh, wonderful uh, drag artist who just passed yeah. this last year. I was and like, oh, my God, we have the Tranny Shack. I mean, it's a small collection, <laughs> but, you know, we have that. You have so much knowledge 
coming from here, and I spend a lot of time in the archive. I do not spend as much time as you have had, and I haven't made an impact like you have. But That's I constantly nice. wonder what it's like and what it's going to be like to leave it behind. Mm. And I don't want to like make you cry or anything, <laughs> yeah. but it's like you have yeah. so much institutional knowledge here. Yeah. And um, is that hard? It's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. I remember when I told my staff I was retiring, I burst out crying, which yeah. surprised me. I didn't realize I was going to do that. Um, yeah, no, I feel like my life has been the archive. I mean, I have a family, don't get me wrong, but you know, a lot of it has been the archive and building the archive and making it accessible. It's just really hard to leave it, um, but I know I'm leaving it. I mean, a lot of the staff has been here 28 years, 27 years, 25 years. There's incredible institutional knowledge on the staff, so it's being left in great hands, which is a comfort. And uh, we're just going to have to hire a great person after me. That's what I say. Yeah. So what's uh, next for you in retirement? Are you going to do archivey things or? Uh... Yeah, that's a good question. So I am going to come back one or two days a week, just uh, just as a bridge until we hire someone. And um, I have some projects. I'm in the middle of some grants and some digitizing projects and some other things. So just do that a bit. Um, really, I don't know, want to be outdoors more. I know everyone said, are you going to join every historical society and do every, I was like, no, maybe it's time to leave SF history behind. I don't know, maybe escort women in and out of Planned Parenthood clinics. There's a lot of things to do out in the world. That's excellent. And I hope you get to a few Giants games too. If Definitely. That's what you like to do. Definitely. And, uh, uh, it's a beautiful city. Uh, in 2023 and also in the 1800s as we saw. (laughs) Well, congratulations on your career. Thank you for what you've done here. You gave me a tour and I got to see, you know, and I can't imagine how this building is, what, 25 years old? And and you've done so much here. 27, yeah. 27, the digitization. Um, congratulations and thank, thank you. you. Thank you for all you've done for this city. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for coming by. I'm glad I got to show you around. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a wonderful place. Thank you. thank you. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our music today is from the Sunset Shipwrecks, Castro organ player David Hegarty, and cable car bell ringing from eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pop. <laughs> Loved it. I've missed that so much.